Welcome back to Pro Football Network's premier fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, BJ Rudell, PFN Fantasy Football Director. With me, as always, is PFN Fantasy Analyst Jason Katz, better known as Katz. As always, you can find us at ProFootballNetwork.com, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, anywhere you get your news and information. We are still getting prepared for the 2022 season. It never ends. And today, Katz and I are going to talk about some of the news that broke over the weekend. It is Monday, March 14th. A ton happened over the weekend, starting with Tom Brady. Katz, uh, I know this is something that uh, uh, we'll be telling people for generations. Uh, we'll all be talking about it all across the world. Where were you the day that Tom Brady announced he was coming back to the NFL? Katz, where were you? What were you thinking? I was just sitting on my couch watching the NCAA tournament selection show, starting to think about brackets. And my first thought is, wow, these sports books have all hands on deck. 64 teams. They're trying to put together all these lines. And now they've got to go and pull down all their NFL futures because Tom Brady just came back and turned the Bucs into a Super Bowl contender once again. So it's, it's just chaos. Is there a, my thinking is no one realistically can bet against Tom Brady. I mean, he was, I think, the QB eight heading into 2021. I think he and Justin Herbert were somewhere around eight and nine interchangeable, but certainly not uh, elite. Uh, and people seem to forget that about Tom Brady, uh, that going into the season, there were still doubters, um, including myself. I didn't have him in the top five. So do we assume that Tom Brady is elite coming back for another season with Godwin and Evans and who knows who else? Or at some point, does somebody say, I'm a little bit concerned about Brady's age? I stopped being concerned about Brady's age when I erroneously wrote him off as done following that week four loss, I think it was, to Kansas City back in 2014. Like, that's how long ago it was. Yes. Oh, Brady, he's, he's like 37 years old. Uh, it's nearing the end. This makes sense. He's playing terribly. And then he comes back. I think they won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, so at this point, I'm going to assume Tom Brady is going to be a, a top five quarterback in the NFL. And has the fantasy upside to be top five for as long as he decides he wants to play football, which I maintain is going to be until age 50. <laughs> it is interesting that he retires for about 40 days. And you get other players. Uh, I know when Kyler Murray came out of college, there was some concern because he was also drafted uh, to play Major League Baseball. Um, I had some concerns. Others did about uh, would he be someone who – um, uh, gets tired of football and decides he wants to do baseball instead? Could he be trusted in dynasty leagues? And with the exception of the last eight weeks of this of this last season, it looked like Kyler Murray was, you know, football for good. Um, there's there's a little bit of, of, of question marks now about, you know, his whether or not he feels that Arizona really believes in him, whether that whether whether he is someone who's going to stick around and be a franchise quarterback for that team. But with Tom Brady, you can't really question him. Of course, I mean, he's going to be a gamer every time out. But still, you retire for 40 days, then you come back, and this question becomes, are we going to be seeing this kind of will he or won't he retire every year going forward? Obviously, we don't know the answer to this. But I'm wondering, just playing devil's advocate, is there any concern that players are going to be looking at Tom Brady and saying, is he all in 
or is there some distraction still going on in the background? Maybe that's not fair to say because it is Tom Brady, but we're all only human. And he did make a big decision 40 days ago, and now he went back on it. I don't think we can move forward without at least acknowledging there's this little tiny seed of doubt over whether Tom Brady is 100% committed to this season. Is that fair to say? For this season, no, that's not fair to say. Tom Brady is 100% committed to this season. I think there's definitely concern going forward that perhaps next year is the year where he finally hangs them up for good. I don't, I don't think so at this point. But, but going forward, yes, that is something that could be uh, lingering behind the scenes. But there's no way that he's sitting down with Giselle and his kids and his family and making this decision to come back at age 45 after seemingly retiring unless he is all in on pursuing another championship. Very good. Okay, so uh, to all of you listening, uh, hard to uh, doubt Tom Brady. I think everyone knows that. But at the same time, it will be very interesting to see he has um, sky-high expectations of himself, and fantasy managers have sky-high expectations of him. And I think it's one of those cases where every year that you bet on Tom Brady – it just gets a little bit harder to bet on Tom Brady, which again, I feel like is not fair, but age and the sacks and the mileage, everything just just keeps piling up. And we've seen seemingly invincible quarterbacks falter. Uh, we saw it happen to Peyton Manning. And so at some point, Tom Brady's going to know he's not uh, at 100%. He's not ready to be the guy he needs to be. It probably won't be this year. Uh, but it is going to be interesting to see what kind of Tom Brady we see because he set huge expectations last seen being an elite quarterback at age 44, whatever it was. Um, moving on to Amari Cooper, someone at a very different stage of his career. Uh, Browns get him for uh, very little, <laughs> all things considered. Um, uh, and now they're looking to potentially move Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry wants to be open to negotiate with other teams, you know, uh, trade talks with other teams. Uh, what, what do we make of Amari Cooper in a Baker Mayfield offense? And I'm going to preface this by saying that our own Aaron Wilson, a pro football network, um, has shared this morning, uh, that, uh, the Browns have fielded exploratory trade calls for Baker Mayfield and that, uh, Wilson's reporting is basically coming in the aftermath. Another report that says the Browns could swap Mayfield, along with maybe some first round picks for Deshaun Watson. There's a lot up in the air. Who will be throwing to Amari Cooper? If you are a dynasty manager right now, Cats, and you have Amari Cooper, is he a, a sell, a buy, or is he a hold, not knowing who's going to be throwing to him in Cleveland? Right now, dynasty managers need to operate under the assumption that Amari Cooper will be with the Browns. At, for the foreseeable future. I don't know if they're going to make Baker Mayfield their uh like they're gonna to commit to him all in, but I do think that it will be Mayfield this year. I appreciate the Browns doing due diligence. I totally believe that they are looking into Deshaun Watson and other quarterbacks, but ultimately I don't know how they're going to get away from Baker Mayfield, at least for this year. If he doesn't take a step forward at some point, You've got to make that decision, much like the Bengals did with Andy Dalton, which is, yeah, this guy is clearly good enough to be a starter in the NFL, but you're not going to win with him. If they reach that point and replace Mayfield with somebody presumably better, that'll be great for Amari Cooper. But also, this is someone who's 
entering his age 28 season. At, he only has so much time left. And I'm very concerned about him following an Odell Beckham career uh, trajectory here where he just gets he just gets just like just trapped in Cleveland where the quality of targets goes down and and he's he's nothing more than a middling wide receiver four in fantasy. I think that's a very real concern. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, this was a very run friendly offense last year. When I say very run friendly, I'm understating what it was. This before uh, the Browns uh, backfield started getting hurt, they were on pace to break. Uh, the modern day, the Super Bowl era record for, I think it was rushing touchdowns and rushing yards by a backfield. Um, it, it, uh, I think the Steelers had the old record or the Ravens did. I think the Steelers and the Browns were on pace to to break it. I mean, this was a uh, run first, run second offense. And now you've got this situation where Mari Cooper comes in and arguably not materially better than Jarvis Landry. I mean, we forget how good Jarvis Landry was in Miami uh, when he had a decent quarterback, not a great one, but a decent one in Ryan Tannehill. And Landry was a top 16 quarterback with top 12 upside, uh, a top 16 receiver with top 12 upside. Um, to, to believe that Amari Cooper can go from a, an ideal situation in Dallas, even as a non-primary option, but he was still a primary option he was still one of three main options he just had some injury issues last year he was a little bit hit or miss throughout his career but he's still reasonably a top 20 receiver in terms of fantasy he goes to cleveland it's not a better situation and we saw that even with jarvis landry and and uh, odell beckham taking uh turns for the worse in terms of their fantasy values once they went there i i don't know that cleveland can get away with trading baker mayfield right now because uh, he, his value could not get much lower. Um, and if he truly was dealing with the injuries, we have to believe he was that impacted his play last year. If he is actually a much better version than what we saw last year and the verdict's still out on that, they have nothing to lose keeping him installed for one more year. This is not a team one quarterback away from the Super Bowl. It, it seems that they're a little more than that at this point. Um, and unless they're going to make other moves in other directions, it seems that their best hope is to have faith in Baker for one more year because selling him now, he's going to go to another team. He will probably be better on that other team than what we've seen in Cleveland. Um, and so I, I would say Amari Cooper is a buy actually personally because I don't think we're going to see the same kind of dysfunction but I also think that Baker Mayfield is probably going to be in this situation where Cleveland, I agree with you, probably keeps him more likely than not. He plays better next year. And then Cleveland has to figure out, is he the quarterback of the future where he can keep growing in this offense? Or do they find somebody else at which point, hopefully they have better options out there in terms of free agency. Um, but I, I'm not giving up on Amari Cooper, but he is what he is. He's probably going to be top 35 this year in terms of receiver. And if you can find someone who believes that he's done, uh, someone, you know, who might, uh, who believes that he'll be another, you know, 700 yard kind of Odell Beckham clone, I think you're going to get more value than that out of Amari Cooper. But you obviously, you lose a lot with Amari Cooper if you have him uh, because he's not the same guy as he's, he was in Dallas. I think that's pretty apparent. Um, at the same time, we're talking about Jarvis Landry potentially leaving Cats. And my question for you is, 
can you think of any landing spots where he might uh, be of use to fantasy managers? This is a guy, again, who could still be a top 30 receiver. Do you think there are some teams out there? I'm thinking of Houston. Uh, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, potentially Jacksonville, if they don't land a high-priced free agent um, where he comes in and becomes, you know, a de facto number one, or in Detroit, where he could uh, be a co-number one or number two. Uh, is there a role, you think, where Jarvis Landry could still be a streaming starter in fantasy on another team? I think with Jarvis Landry, it comes down to the same thing it's always come down to, and that's volume. Landry's the type of player, he's a very, he's a professional receiver. He's a reliable set of hands. He can get open. Uh, and he's a very useful piece for an NFL team, but more so the NFL than fantasy. I have concerns that Jarvis Landry is like, I, I'll say it straight up. I don't see him ever like reaching that level of fantasy relevance that he had back during his early to mid twenties in Miami. when He was posting those 90 to 100 reception seasons. He had three seasons where he hit uh, over 1,100 receiving yards, one of which was in Cleveland back in 2019. The last two years have been much different. Only only uh, 47.5 receiving yards per game in 2021. That was just 0.1 higher than his rookie year, which was previously his career low. Uh, so Jarvis Landry is he's going to be age, going to be 30 years old this year. Not the same guy, but he he, he has a skill set that I think can age very well, and he can play into his early to mid 30s and play effectively. So where might he go? Um, I see possibly the Patriots as a team that could definitely use a possession receiver like Jarvis Landry. I'd love to see him go somewhere like the Chiefs, but they seem to just be allergic to having a quality wide receiver too. He could definitely produce in that area. And there's, there's a couple other teams out there that could use a wide receiver to a reliable slot guy. Um, maybe the Titans as an example, but they're a low volume passing offense as well. So I'm just, I'm not sure where Jarvis Landry could end up where I'd be excited about his fantasy value, but I don't, I'm not writing him off as somebody who's going to be irrelevant. Very good. Well, that's a, I, I think that's a safe, uh, I'm not picking on you cats. That's a safe hedge, but it's a real hedge. Um, it's, it's a, um, uh, it's basically, this is not the same guy who was in Miami and he's not as bad as what we saw in Cleveland. And so the question becomes, can he be, um, a guy who gets a hundred targets on a team. And if he's, if he's, if he's lined up to get you a hundred targets with a decent quarterback, I think he stands a good chance of being relevant. If he becomes kind of a latter stage of a career, you know, a uh, partial player, um, you know, a number three receiver, obviously that, that changes the complexion. I do find it fascinating by the way that, um, you know, receivers who go to Cleveland struggle and I think catch rate is is a something that I keep coming back to it, and it's very relevant. You know, uh, Beckham's catch rate in Cleveland was eight points lower than it was with the Giants. Landry's catch rate was roughly ten points lower in Cleveland than it was in Miami. I mean, you are leaving if your catch rate is ten points lower, uh, you're talking about leaving sometimes ten receptions off the table. You're leaving 100 yards off the table. You're leaving one, maybe a touchdown or two off the table. That Those are tangible points. Um, that can be the difference between an RB, uh, you know, a WR4 and a WR3 um, when you're talking about fantasy value. And if these guys are going to Cleveland and the catch rate is dropping, it can be a schematic issue. It can be a quarterback issue. Um, there can be any number of factors. But 
The issue is it happens. And in the same way for the Saints with Drew Brees, we've seen the opposite happen. When Drew Brees was quarterback of the Saints, we saw Ted Ginn go to New Orleans, have a career high in catch rate, 20 points above his career average. We saw Emmanuel Sanders go to New Orleans, have a career high in catch rate. Uh, we saw Michael Thomas breaking records on catch rates with Drew Brees. Catch rate really does play this very uh, significant role in the ceilings and floors of players. And I'll be fascinated to see if Jarvis Landry does move, whether he somehow becomes a better fantasy player than Amari Cooper in 2022. It's quite possible he could be, um, given the fact that Cooper could be you know, the 30th best receiver. And Landry might make a case, I think, still for being slightly better. He's only 29, and I think I'm a little more bullish about Landry. But of course, it depends on where he ends up. I think he could be a top 30 guy. I would not give up on him in Dynasty by any stretch. Um, I still think he's got a few more good years in front of him. And I'll say one more thing about Jarvis Landry that's intriguing is that he has not been fully healthy. And I think that if, if you look at his per, just his per game numbers, the target potential has still been there. He just hasn't been able to capitalize in Cleveland. I still think he's a 100-target guy. I think he could push for 120 in the right situation. Maybe I'm being overly uh, 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 Pollyannish about him, Cats. I admit it. I have a soft spot for Jarvis Landry because I hate seeing great players go to teams that don't know how to use them effectively. Um, but I think it's going to be fascinating to see where Jarvis Landry ends up if he fills a gap that's much needed. If Brandon Cooks could be a great fantasy quarter uh, uh, receiver in Houston, I think Jarvis. I think there's a role for someone like Jarvis Landry. Um, uh, shifting to Dallas where Amari Cooper left, we got Michael Gallup, uh, re-signed by Dallas, uh, is Gallup now on the radar as let's say, uh, uh, you know, get him in the top six rounds of a 12 team league. Like, is he a top 25, top 30 receiver automatically to you? Or do things get a little more complicated for you cats when it comes to Michael Gallup? Is he as good as we think he can be? I've always liked Michael Gallup. I thought he was underutilized, and I understand why the Cowboys drafted C.D. Lamb, and obviously I'm glad that they did at this point, but I felt like it unfairly pushed Michael Gallup into a wide receiver three role when he is a and he is a an, an NFL wide receiver too. He is that's that's the role that he should be playing, and that's the role that he's going to play now. The problem, the biggest problem for him is, is the torn ACL, which he which he tore late in the season. He's not going to be 100 percent by September. There's just no way. He could be on the field to start the season, but it's, it's, it will likely take him a few weeks to get going. I think that's going to really hinder his ability to to reach his ceiling, which I think is a top 24 wide receiver. He can be a wide receiver too in fantasy as well, but I don't know if he can get there this season. He might be someone that you either take an injury discount if you get it in your draft, or you wait for the slow start that's inevitably going to happen with, with the injury and maybe try and grab him in early October hoping for a, a, a second half explosion. I think that's more of the seasonal path we'll see for Gallup this uh, this year. And maybe to your point, Katz, maybe uh, handcuffing him with Cedric Wilson. We don't talk about receiver handcuffs very often in fantasy, but they do apply. If, if Michael Gallup is slow out of the gate and Cedric Wilson takes on a, a more outsized role like we saw late last season, um, we could see Wilson as kind of the de facto number two, at least when it comes to fantasy receivers in Dallas. Um, as Gallup is getting ramped up and Wilson becomes the guy that you need in that spot. And he comes at a cheaper price 
Um, and then by October, you know, if you have Gallup, hopefully for Gallup's sake, it flips and he assumes that true number two role. Do you think that's fair to say, or do you think Cedric Wilson had uh, a fluky uh, late part of the season and that he's not someone to bank on to fill in for Gallup if Gallup needs that space? I like Cedric Wilson. He's a nice player. There's a couple things at play here. Uh, first, as we're recording this on early Monday morning on March 14th, uh, we don't know if Cedric Wilson is going to return to Dallas. There's no Fair guarantee point. that happens. Uh, if he does, we're still looking at a former sixth-round pick who's entering what's going to be his age 27 season with fewer than 900 career receiving yards. I know he had two, product, two or three productive games last season. He had 200-yard games. Uh, he, had, he had a two-touchdown game in that final game of the season against the Eagles. And he was productive in the Cowboys' lone playoff game where he saw 10 targets. Also, Gallup was hurt. Uh, he filled in very well when he had to take on that wide receiver two role. I think he could be productive in a pinch, but I still I still struggle to buy into him as this guy who could actually be a, an every week wide receiver two that sees 100 targets in a season. Uh, I'm, I, if I'm looking at Gallup and trying to get an early season replacement, I don't know if Cedric Wilson is the direction I'm going in, but in deeper leagues, I think he'll be very cheap and he's somebody you can acquire and you can fill in and he, he won't get you zero. So he'll have value. I just don't know how much it will end up being. And maybe the big winner out of this is CD Lamb. Maybe CD Lamb, uh, who I had as a top 12 uh, receiver going into last season, I thought it would be when we saw what he did um, uh, briefly uh, uh, before Dak Prescott got hurt in the 2020 season, uh, when he and Amari Cooper uh, and Michael Gallup. Uh, all did well. I mean, that was the, the the incredible start to the season that Dak Prescott and that offense had in 2020. But CeeDee Lamb seemed to demonstrate that he could be a top 10 receiver. And it's quite likely uh, that Dallas will look at their offense, a fading Zeke Elliott, um, uh, Gallup returning from a torn ACL, uh, Dalton Schultz, obviously reliable. I know you're higher on Schultz than I am, um, if that's fair to say. It seems that C.D. Lamb is a big winner in this, and it seems that this could be a case where a bullish fantasy manager might look to C.D. Lamb as their number one receiver and finally get what, they, what they're hoping to get out of him, that he could be that 1,400-yard, 10-touchdown guy. Any final thoughts on that, Cats? Am I overreaching with that in my bullishness? Because I, I love what you say about these Cowboys guys. I know you like following the Cowboys. But I'm big on CD Lamb. Prove me wrong, or what do you think? I'm all I'm all in with you on CD Lamb. I I think that he is he is a much better player than what we've seen the past two seasons. And the reality is, he did get better in his second season. He went from uh, he had 74 catches as a rookie, 935 yards, only five more catches in his sophomore year, but he had 1102 yards. So so his yards per reception went up by 1.3. He's improving. They're using him more downfield. And now he's out of that shadow of the shadow of Amari Cooper. The Cowboys have said to CeeDee Lamb, you are our wide receiver one. You're our guy. And this could be exactly. the season that his target share finally gets bumped up. Because the Cowboys, for all, for all their prolific passing, they haven't given their elite players these dominant target shares. Like we see guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams with these 30% target shares. Lamb had 18% as a rookie and 20.4% as, as a sophomore that number needs to be over 25%. And I think it will be this year. 
And if he can get 25% of Dak Prescott's targets, we could be looking at a 90 reception, 1400 yards type season. I think you just hit it on the head when you look at, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll offer the last word on that, but just building on CD lamb, looking at targets is a very big indicator in terms of uh, next year growth. Uh, basically not did a receiver leave points on the table, but did a quarterback leave points off the table from a receiver where, where once the quarterback goes to that receiver more, are we going to see an uptick? Um, and CD lamb is a perfect example. He was outside the top 20 in targets. Uh, it might surprise many of you listening. It surprised me, uh, going into this podcast that Jacoby Myers had more targets than CD lamb did last year. Um, that's probably going to change this year for many reasons, but if we see that Jacoby Myers out targeted CD lamb. Um, we can imagine a scenario where CD Lamb's target share should go up um, considerably, and his targets will go up probably at least one per game. And if his targets go up at least one per game, he'll be top 12 in targets, and he will realistically be top 12, top 10 in fantasy points because that offense should still be cooking. Um, I'm again BJ Rudell. With me as always, Jason Katz, better known as Katz, Pro Football Network. Find us here every day. Find us on uh, profootballnetwork.com, and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow.